excellent start. Uh, Jim did not know that I was going to do something like that uh, in one of the sections that we have this morning because um, we're doing a bit of a review. Oh, no, did I ruin it? <laughs> no, you didn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. this, this is a great start. It's just at the beginning, which is maybe even better. So, And I like the idea of doing this weekly because what I'm going to talk about this morning is from the last section, uh, chapter 26, of Leviticus. So yay, we have completed Leviticus. <clears throat> we are uh, done with it. Yeah, there's some size of relief, some uh, wiping of the foreheads. Uh, that's uh, to be expected for sure. Uh, but what I want to do is look at chapter 26 and do a review because chapter 26 is implying that if you are faithful to what has been given uh, to the to the people uh, of God, if you're faithful to that, then you will have blessing. If not, then things go badly for you. That's chapter 26. That's pretty much um, the the uh, you know the the wrap up of Leviticus is the blessings and the cursings. So it's very familiar to the ancient world that there would be blessings and in cursings assigned to every covenant. So if there was a covenant between a, a, a superior king and an inferior king and the superior king said, listen, we're conquering you. And, uh, but here's the, uh, here's the covenant, uh, the agreement, the contract, it was, uh, here are the rules. If you pay us a certain tax, a tribute, <clears throat> and you're faithful to that, we'll protect you. <clears throat> if another army comes against you, we'll protect you. But if you're unfaithful to the covenant, all these things are going to happen to you. So it's the same setup, same design. It's nothing unusual. Leviticus just follows that, that ancient uh, way of, of doing covenants. And so chapter 26 is that. And there's sort of three bad things, main things that happen if you don't follow the covenant. Those three things are food shortage, disease, and war. Uh, which has, you know, other implications that are listed in there, such as your family will be reduced to nothing and, and so on. But those are the three things, food shortage, disease, and famine, or in uh, uh, war. So you have three curses mainly, and the blessings are the, are the opposite of that. Your families will increase, you will have peace in the land, you will be healthy, you will live long lives, etc. And what he is building off of is he is saying, if you are faithful to these four sections that we've covered in Leviticus, the first one was about ritual, right? Rituals. And what we talked about in the rituals was there are, and we did this for each one of the sections. There's a transcendent need. Then there's a transcendent truth. What I'm adding today, which I haven't been, but I've been essentially saying it, is when you have a transcendent need, which is a human need, just, you know, a need across all generations. I was reading one scholar this week who um, was describing this as, uh, we sometimes look at the past as like these primitive people, but actually we are part of the human race and anthropology says that mo most of the needs that the ancient people had, we have today from a standpoint of the, the bigger needs, you know, the, the, the needs for love, the needs for significance, the needs for security. Those are, those are all universals. Um, and so we look at the transcendent need. And then what we look at is there's the transcendent truth. There's God's message in there. But God's message in it that's transcendent 
is so transcendent that it sometimes doesn't appear. You have to look real closely to see it. For example, Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Is that a temporal truth or is that a transcendent truth? Most of you would say that's a transcendent truth. That continues on for generation to generation. There is no limit to that. It's transcendent. It is, you can't even understand the fullness of what that means. We're ever learning that. Even when, you know, our founding fathers say all men are created equal, they're still trying to discern what does that actually mean? It didn't involve women at the time, you know, and it certainly didn't involve slaves. But now we understand and we're ever growing into the fullness of what that means. That's what we meant by transcendent truth. So we have a transcendent need, the human need. We have a transcendent truth. And then those two come together and what is created in Leviticus are temporal solutions, temporal solutions. Solutions that were meant, they were very culture, context specific. They were for the people at the time to, to meet that need at the same time to bring in that transcendent truth, but not fully, right? So that's why it's a temporal solution. So you have a, a transcendent need, and that is the need for rituals, for celebrations, for remembering things. And we talked about what that means, the rituals. In the ritual section, there were also sacrifices, but those we left for when we were going to talk about the Day of Atonement. Okay, so we have these the rituals, the part of the rituals that we talked about were the celebrations. When we bring back to mind the things that God has done for us. What happens when you don't bring back to mind the things that God has done for us? For you. What happens to you? Put it in the notes. Put it in the chat. Right? We, we have all sorts of things, right? This morning I had to practice that a little bit more because I'm feeling a little bit less full, less, less aware of God's grace these days. <laughs> so what's going through my mind? All the things that I need, all the things that, I, that, that our family needs, all the things that we have to go after, right? So yes, yeah, people, so Patty's putting in, if we forget, we worry, Right? So we might become a little bit more greedy. Right? So what happens, there's a transcendent need that we have to see grace, to see goodness, to see God in our presence. And the transcendent truth is that when we do <clears throat> and when we remember, we are filled with greater grace, greater love, greater compassion, there's a less of a striving, a less of a drivenness in our lives, right? So there's this transcendent need, transcendent truth. So what does, what does, the, 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 what does God do in the book of Leviticus? God provides them ceremonies to help them to remember, right? So that's the temporal solution. <clears throat> and we know what happens when we don't do these things. We know that today and what's happening in our world between pandemic and politics and provision yeah, possessions provision all of those things are being really affected in negative ways and can you see it being caused in large part by our forgetting all the goodness all the goodness all the grace that has come our way as a country and we begin 
to grab a hold of more. We begin to pursue in all sorts of ways, and it starts to create problems. And the second was, so we have that transcendent need. I was going to ask you to put in, but we did this this morning, to remember, to bring to mind the things that God has done for you. Maybe we'll do that again at the, at the end as we work our way through the four sections. The second section was the priests, right? Were the, were the priests. And what were the priests there for? Well, the priests represented God to the people and represented the people to God. Right? That was the work of priests. If you, if you want to summarize everything in one sentence of what the work of a priest was in the ancient world, to represent the people to God and represent God to the people. And so the priests had these robes, these elegant, extravagant outfits, especially for the ancient world that lived with very few outfits and colors, very few colors. Colors were expensive. And here you have this pure white robe and you have this ephod, which had all the stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. They were all very beautiful stones, precious, precious stones. So this is something really outstanding and beautiful. And when the priests come out and present themselves to the people, the people would be drawn to that which is more beautiful, that which is more holy, that which is uh, godly, right? So they would, be, they would have a visual of God. And then the priests would come before God. So, the, boy, they felt good, right? You come out and you're in your outfit and everybody's like, oh, you know, and there's this gasp and like this uh, reverence and, and it feels good. You feel empowered as a priest. You feel like, hmm, you know, this is, this is wonderful to, be, to have this kind of level of impact on the people. Even from a benevolent side, you feel really good. Like, I get to, I get to serve these people. But then what would happen is when the priest would turn around and have to go into the temple and represent the people to God. Now, guess who the priest was at that point? The priest wasn't representing God to God. The priest had become very much like every last one of us, human in every single way. And in that moment, the priest had to tap into that solidarity, to that togetherness, to that withness with the people. And before God would say, I am one of them, there's no difference. And I represent us to you. And the transcendent need there is that we all have a need to see God in one another. We all have a need to, to tune into our strength, to our gifts, to our contribution to the world. That is a real divine spark within us. We have that and we have to tune into that because we can forget that so easily. And then at the same time, we have to tune back into the people and in solidarity with them realize, yep, there's the divinity and then there's the dirt. And at both times, I am both. But sometimes I lean into one and then have to remember to lean into the other. And in doing so, we have this transcendent need to see God within ourselves. We also have a transcendent need to be deeply connected to other people, to walk hand in hand, to walk alongside with them, to feel that withness. And so what was the temporal solution? It was the priesthood. Now we walked into the third section. The third section was about clean and unclean. 
The one part, one thing I didn't say about that section is clean and unclean were a way to bring about order in a society. We needed to see what is, what do we all agree on here that we consider this is unhealthy and this is healthy. And what we said about that was we have a transcendent need to, to know what is healthy, to know what is unhealthy. We have a transcendent need. I mean, it's always around where we're either comparing ourselves with other people. We're justifying ourselves. We're looking in our own selves to see what is broken, what is, what is not quite right. What do I need to fix? And that's the transcendent need to see what is healthy and what is unhealthy. There's a transcendent truth that there is health <laughs> and that there is sickness. Those are true. And sometimes we forget truth. And we kind of get into that gray and we just sort of like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Right? But we need order. We need that ability to see and to say, no, this is, this is really the unhealthy part here. And this is the healthy part without judgment, just with observation. Because judgment then inter is all this other interpretive stuff that we do about what it means. But we hold it and we say, yes, this is true. There's the healthy and then there's the unhealthy parts of us, of ourselves and of our society. The transcendent truth is there. The transcendent need is there. And then there's the temporal solution. And the temporal solutions were all that section about clean and unclean. And what do we do with all of this? And ultimately, we said it was always about bringing people back in. So if people were unhealthy, yes, they were quarantined. But it was always for the purpose of ultimately bringing them back in. And so still, even with the temporal solution, that's where it's aiming. And then we went to the Day of Atonement, where we talked about sacrifice and scapegoats. That was last week. And what we said about that was we have a transcendent need. We have a transcendent need that we feel like we need to earn our way sometimes. We need to earn our way. We need to make sacrifices. There are parts of ourselves that we cut off entirely. We need, we need scapegoats. And so sometimes we, you know, our internal disorder, chaos, we tend to look for problems outside of ourselves to say, ah, oh, that's the reason why. I'm where I'm at. That's the reason why I'm struggling. And even if we don't actually make those connections, it, we do it by nature just to sort of like not think about our problems and to feel a little bit better by thinking about the problems that are out there. But scapegoating is a common tactic for us to make ourselves feel better. We have a transcendent need to be able to blame something. Remember for a while, it was like a, a decade ago. It's less so now. It still happens, but remember for a while it was the big thing in psychology was blame your parents for your problems. <laughs> and it was very helpful in one sense because we needed to acknowledge that there were things that were done to us because prior to that it was suck it up, walk it off, you know, now and then it became about can we actually bring about healing? And so can we, can we name the source? Can we name the problem? Can we name you know, where it began, can we, can we locate that? But then it kind of turned into more blaming and scapegoating because the need for scapegoating is still within us. And so we move from the transcendent need for scapegoats and sacrifices to the transcendent need or the transcendent truth. And the transcendent truth, my friends, is that 
we have no need for either one, that the truth is that what we need most is grace. Grace, not sacrifice. Grace, not scapegoating. To be able to look inside and recognize the need for scapegoating and the need for sacrifice is something that I have and I feel within me always driving me. But the truth is that what I need more than anything else and what others need more than anything else is God's grace and God's love. Right? And so what was the transcendent truth and the transcendent need? Well, then God gives them sacrifices, but they're limited. Remember, we talked about that. Very limited. It's like, this is it. No more. You still require faith to believe that the blood of a goat can forgive your sins. I mean, still that required so much faith and it required the ability to receive grace for themselves. Like really, the sins are forgiven? Yes, they are. It required a lot of faith. And in Christ Jesus, we come to the point where it becomes the fulfillment of all of that, where that was all heading to say there is no more need at all for sacrifice or scapegoat. And so finally, we arrive back here again to the place of what was this all about then in chapter 26, where he says, listen, if you follow God's law and you do these things, you will be blessed. But if you don't, you will have lots of problems as a society. Bad things will happen. It's apocalyptic in the way it's described, even to the point of some really grotesque things like you will eat the flesh of your sons and daughters because you will be starving and you will have nothing. And so it's apocalyptic imagery. It's meant to, to exaggerate this, that this is going to be how bad it is that even this happens. It's just going to be a bad, bad, bad time. Right? If we look back at why that is, how do we connect the failure to do, to practice ritual, the failure to uh, practice sacrifice, the failure to practice uh, to have good priests, trustworthy priests, the, the need for clean, clean, cleanliness and, and uncleanliness, the need for that order, for that clarity, right? How does that play into this possible disease and famine and war as a curse if we don't do these things? And what we see is that when we forget the blessings and the grace that we have received in our lives, we begin to act differently. Remember this, for those of you who've been with us for a while or been reading the Bible for a while, <clears throat> there's this passage in Deuteronomy where Moses says, when you leave the desert and you enter into the promised land, do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of there. Because if you forget, you will begin to do these kinds of things. You will begin to behave in these ways. You will begin to believe that somehow it was because of your goodness. Somehow it was because of your greatness. Somehow it was because of your hard work that you have all of these blessings. Jesus piggybacks off of that when he says to the disciples, not many of you were noble. Not many of you were outstanding. Not many of you, I chose you, right? It's not, you didn't choose me. It wasn't a good idea that you came up with to decide to follow Jesus. It was, he's saying, don't forget that most of what has happened to you has come by way of accidents. And how many of you would say, 
that the best things that have happened to you were not your wonderful, well-laid-out plans, but were the accidents, the divine, wonderful accidents of God. Now, when you had them happen in your life, you were snapped into a greater reality that God is near, that God loves you, that God is full of grace. This is the reason why in Deuteronomy, through Moses, God says, don't forget the Lord your God because you will prosper. And what will happen when you prosper is you will forget that all of this, every last bit of it is grace. Okay, but Joel, I work really hard. Yes, your very capacity to work hard is a gift of God. And when you begin to see that, you begin to find yourself full of abundance inside your soul. Deep within you, there's a fullness. And there's a less of a grabbing and less of a drivenness and less of a striving But what happens when we strive and we push so hard is we become ever more greedy, ever more needy, and all sorts of bad things begin to happen that start to look like where we are today in this country. Where we have a pandemic, where we have such division across the country and the world and where there is ever more greed and less love and less grace and less gentleness for one another than there's ever been, it seems. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it sure feels that way these days. And when we look at the second component, so we've talked about ritual. When we forget ritual, this is what happens. We get to celebrate, to regularly celebrate. This is why I think Jim's suggestion for us to do this weekly is a great suggestion This is actually us fulfilling the covenant in Leviticus. And so then we come to the priesthood. What happens when we no longer see God in our world? You know what that feels like when you stop seeing God, when everything you see is just bad. Folks, we have two brains. I don't know if you know this, but we have two brains. One can connect the dots on why everything in your past to this present right now tells a story that somehow you are cursed, that somehow your life is, you know, you've been robbed, somehow everybody has it better than you, and you stop seeing God in your life or in the world around you. And then you have this other brain that sometimes wakes up and goes, oh my goodness, so many wonderful things. And I've been blessed in so many, and and you go from one to the next sometimes in the same week. How many of you have done that? You've had both happen, sometimes on the same day, where one incident, not not the fullness of of the story. So this is another indication of when we start to lose it. We can't see the scope anymore. What we see are only the details that fit that feeling that we have in the moment. I had this one incident that knocked me down, and now I feel like the whole world has fallen apart. Or, in my case at least, one great thing happens, and everything's fantastic, and there's nothing wrong with the world, and then I spin everything in the other direction. (laughs) So either way, 
we're prone to these two minds. And, and, and what we talked about with ritual is it helps us to do this, helps us to return to that. But back to this piece on the priesthood is it helps us to come back to recognize that Christ, the divine, the gifts of God are within us, that we have a divine gifting, a contribution to make to this world. And we can feel that wonderful power within us and love it. Like, wow, I really love that I can do this and that people are blessed by it. It feels really good when I do it. But at the same time, we also have to return to that place of solidarity with others. And my brothers and sisters this morning, if there's anything that we are not doing today in this country, it's practicing solidarity. But we are practicing division, but not really, you know, this piece of like coming alongside and really being with each other. Let me suggest this too, that even among the groups that have separated left and right and this group, that group, even within those groups, I don't know that there's solidarity. Because when you define yourself as I'm not them and I'm against them, it's not that you're with people any longer. It's not about being with, it's about who you're against. Right? And, and, and the priesthood, it was not about who we're against. The priest had to represent every single person, including people that that priest didn't particularly like. Imagine you having a, being a priest, having to go before God and say, yes, so so-and-so is asking for forgiveness and I'm asking you to forgive them. Even though that person is a jerk to me and treats me like garbage, I'm coming before you and asking you to forgive them. Jesus would piggyback off of that in Matthew and say, the sins of those you forgive, they're forgiven. That's your role, my brothers and sisters, is to be in solidarity, to be with, not against, to represent people before God, before God's love, before the light of God's love. Imagine the priest standing before God, holding up the people and saying, these are the people, these are your people, be faithful to them. Please love them, please bless them. Moses does that when he says, if you're not going to go with me, God, if you're not going to go with the people, rather, and you only want to bless me, I'm out. That was a powerful passage there. And I think, uh, I think it's chapter 33, uh, Exodus 33, where God says, I'm going to bless you, Moses, but I'm going to wipe everybody else out. And, God, and, and that's a test right there. That's a test. And Moses says, no, if you will not bless them, I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of that. And that's, 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 that was the test to see where are you at? Are you really, truly a priest? Are you acting as a priest? Are you representing? Are you standing in solidarity with them? And so what happens when we don't do this, my friends, my brothers and sisters, we end up with a country that is so divided and where there's very little representation of the divine of God. The more you cut at people, the more you cut at yourself. And if you cut the divinity that's within people, the image of God within people, you're cutting it off in yourself as well. And you become as dark on people as on yourself as you become on people. And vice versa. And so the third section, we talk about clean, being clean and unclean. And when we stop being able to name that which is unhealthy within us, and our eyes and our attention is always on everybody else. When we stop being able to see that, or we fixate on that and become really like down on ourselves, 
that we lose this balance that was created there in Leviticus, that there's what is unclean and you need to name it, be able to name it and articulate it and then move forward. I'm telling you, there are so many environments, spiritual environments. I even hate to say this because I don't want to be down on anything this morning. I want to be with people. But there are churches that practice more of, a, of an escape from truth than it is to deal with truth. You know, there's more of like, a, let's just sing songs and let's just be happy and let's ignore the problems of this world. Let's not talk about the pandemic, politics, or anything else that could be, that could be divisive. Let's just be happy in this circle. And it has appearance of this like togetherness. But we have to be able to name the unhealthiness within us to be able to then present that before God for healing, right? And ultimately, it is all about healing and redemption. It's always about that. So that's the heart of God is let's, let's bring that in. But when we don't do that, we don't deal with illness. We don't deal with sickness. We end up being confused about what right and wrong is. And that's where our country is right now. There's not an ability to say that's wrong without being thrown into you know, well, you're one of those people. It's like, no, can we just name the illness and deal with it? Because ultimately it's about bringing healing to this country. It's about bringing healing to the nation. It's about bringing healing to ourselves. That's what it's about. It's not about judgment. It's about redemption. But we need to get there through being able to say, this is unhealthy. This is healthy. And then we get to the fourth section, which was scapegoats and sacrifices. And so I won't say much about that then since that's more fresh in your mind since we talked about it last week. But boy, there's a whole lot of scapegoating, isn't there? There's a whole lot of saying the reasons for the problems in our country is this political party or that political party. And certainly there are things that have been done that are really, really wrong and bad for our country. Yes, but that's distinct from the problems that are within you. Can you notice the difference between what are the problems that I'm sort of putting off onto the world around me and not dealing with because it's much more, it's much easier. And what are mine? And can I move into that place of understanding that I'm still looking at times for scapegoating? Can I spot it when I do it and just have grace for myself and say, oh, I'm scapegoating again. Come back and do the work. Oh, I'm sacrificing again. I feel like I need to earn my way back. I need to, I'm having a hard time just receiving the love of God as grace. The love of people around me is grace. And so, if we practice these things, my friends, we can experience the blessings. And this is where I say, it's not a, it's not a guarantee. It's not like a one for one. As soon as you do one thing, God gives you one thing. It's, it's not that sort of thing. But I do believe in the promises there in Leviticus in a transcendent way, not the specific, you know, I'll bless you with this and that and the other, but that the bigger ones, I'll bless you with more. I'll bless you with gifts. I'll bless you with, with, um, with great relationships. I'll bless you in many very, very important ways to you. I do believe in those, in those blessings that if we practice these things, we tend to be better off. We tend to have more of God's blessings in our lives. We tend to be a happier people. And so that's what I, I want to do is to move into some of these practices <coughs> more often. And so I think Jim's suggestion that each week we begin this way would be wonderful.
how about we be how about we uh we take a few moments in this moment right now and could we at least bring to mind we won't do like where are you unhealthy tell us about where you're unhealthy and tell everybody uh, put it in the in the chat here uh, we won't do that um but maybe if you can see areas where you feel like yep i'm scapegoating yeah i'm i'm sacrificing so maybe let's start there. Maybe put some stuff in the chat like, <clears throat> yeah, I can see that. If you want to, you don't have to. But if you want to be vulnerable, um, a little bit more transparent, if that's healthy for you, if that's something you feel like is your next step, then um, then go ahead and put that in the chat. Yeah, I can see where I'm doing the scapegoating. I can see where I'm trying to sacrifice, earn my way. I'm having a hard time receiving the grace that is around me, God's grace for me. As you think about that, if you can think about also the areas of, of your life where you feel like I'm starting to tune into my strength, or maybe I'm not, maybe I don't know what my divine contribution is to the world. Or maybe, yeah, I need to return to solidarity. I think I've been away from that. I've been I've been more against or away from people. I haven't really been with. I've had a hard time feeling that withness. Maybe put something, either write something down for your own purposes at this moment. Put it in the chat if you want. And then finally, can I see God's grace in my life? Can I see God's grace in my life? 